This podcast is brought to you by AJ Products, made in Sweden for the rest of the world. Visit ajproducts.ie to see how we can make your workplace work for you. Mark, a big day for Irish football here at the Aviva Stadium, the, the briefing for the Football Pathways plan. Tell us about it and what it means. Yeah, it's a really exciting day for Irish football and I'm excited to be here to share the new vision. And the FAI has published an ambitious plan that would cost half a billion euro to put Irish football back on the world stage. But... All of that is undermined when your CEO is in front of the doll and in social media clips saying that he got paid an extra 12 grand because of a joke. All of that makes people think of the old FAI. A pay scandal aired in front of the Public Accounts Committee has eclipsed all headlines of the new game plan. The committee wishes to discuss with the FAI decisions to make a payment in lieu of annual leave to the Chief Executive of the FAI. CEO Jonathan Hill was paid €12,000 for 12 days holidays that he didn't end up taking in 2022. It meant his salary last year was higher than that of a government department secretary general, something which is prohibited under the terms of the 2020 FAI bailout. As would be normal at the end of the year, how many days holiday I have taken. I reply and ask what is happening with them, saying clearly that I would be happy to carry them over. Hill insisted he hadn't asked to be paid for the annual leave and to since reimbursed the money, but the PAC wanted to see the email thread which led to the arrangement. What they got was an email dump of laughably redacted messages and a defence that the overpayment came about after a joke that was misinterpreted. Um, and so you, I mean, you're, you're, you're suggesting that a joke in an email, in an email I can't see, went on to become a formal process. I'm not saying that, but it's clear from the emails that that is what happened. All of this at a time when the organisation is struggling to find a new manager for the boys in green. Today, in a post-John Delaney era, can we trust the new FAI? Maliki Clerken is a sports writer with the Irish Times. Mal, as you've been writing, the FAI just continues to score own goals. Even after there was a clear out at the very top of the organisation in the wake of the John Delaney scandals. Why is this latest controversy significant? This is significant because it has done reputational damage to the FAI and the FAI can't really afford reputational damage. Um, anybody with a half an interest in Irish sport over the past couple of decades knows the FAI as A, the association who runs soccer in Ireland, but B, to uh, laughably varying levels of success. And over the years, the FAI has become a kind of a byword for failure, a byword for uh, bad governance, bad sporting governance, as well as bad corporate governance. And this modern uh, iteration of the FAI was supposed to be a step away from that. And to be fair to them, it largely has been a step away from that, which is why this particular scandal is so sort of self-defeating, um, because it reminds people of the old FAI is the, the best way to put it in a nutshell. 
if you look at what the old FAI was, these scandals would pop up intermittently from back in the early 2000s. You would have had problems with the company credit card. Back in the 90s, you would have had problems with uh, ticket allocations being sold at, at the USA World Cup out of bedrooms and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like down through the years, there have been a cavalcade of scandals and bad practices and all of that sort of stuff. And the Jonathan Hill era of the FAI had avoided all of that and had got on with the grinding work of sorting out a sport that is that is enormous, like soccer is enormous in Ireland, um, but it needs huge investment. It needs huge structural change. And something like this deflects from all of that. Mal, let's just take a step back in time for a moment to catch people up. Starting in 2019 with the, the Delaney revelations and in the four years since, what has happened within the FAI and is it any better off? Well, it changed to a dizzying degree, really. Um, a lot of the faces uh, that people would have been familiar with under the Delaney regime uh, were cleared out or left by their own volition. Delaney was known as somebody who ran the FAI as he was the face of it and he was at the top of a power structure that gave him an awful lot of power, but it was built on the sort of quiet acquiescence of uh, the layer of management beneath him. They have changed, the faces have changed. Uh, they have been through, Tony Kiohan is the current chairman, Roy Barrett was the chairman before him. They Those have changed uh, since then. There are new faces in all the positions, really. Hill uh, took over. Johnson Hill is an English, I guess, sports executive. He's a career sports executive going all the way back to, like, he was originally worked in Thames Television back in the 80s. In the mid-90s, he was commercial director for Euro 96. He has worked for uh, Laureus Sport. He has worked for Kinteca Sport. He has worked at various executive roles in sporting bodies across Europe over the past two to three decades. So he took over as he... Took, took over as FAI CEO in 2020 and was considered considered a bit of a get, in mm. fairness, to the FAI. You know, somebody, he brought a, a, a long reputation of working in that nexus of sports politics and business and sports uh, governance, mm-hmm. which is, it's a tricky world. It's a kind of an opaque world. A lot of it is to do with something as basic as getting uh, TV deals for sporting organisations. But the nuts and bolts of it are bringing in funding streams, organising funding streams for the organisation and staying clear of scandal. It's worth mentioning, Mal, that last week actually started quite positively for the FAI. Why was that? So Mark Canham, who uh, would be considered uh, Jonathan Hill's sort of number two, set out, this is a long-awaited plan for the future of soccer in Ireland. And it is basically to to organise the structures of how the game is 
coached here, how kids are brought through from the age of four up until adulthood um, all across the country. And it's a, you know, it's a decades long plan, this thing. You know, it, 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 it is something the FAI, various iterations of the FAI have been crying out for a proper study, proper research based work for decades like this this has been needed for so so long look it's not sexy it's not the kind of thing that you would get uh an awful lot of say social media engagement on uh but it is the necessary work of sporting governance what did get the, the social media engagement were the three days later, which was almost farcical, the presentation that appeared. I mean, you mentioned the redacted emails, the somewhat clueless responses from FAA associates. I mean, and then Jonathan Hill talking about his so-called joke in the email. I mean, is that just another flavour of the dysfunction that still exists within the organisation? This is the thing. This should have been a very easy thing for the FAI to deal with. On the face of it, the story that they have come in with is that Jonathan Hill, in an email to... Uh, you'll see that an email um, was sent to me, actually in mid-November, which came from the junior employee we're seeking to protect from a legal perspective, just to make that clear. In that email, I am asked if I agree to a request from that junior colleague to commute holidays that the employee could not take, for exceptional circumstances, to a cash payment and I accept that you can't see the words in the redacted um, statement, but that is for legal reasons. Um, but within that, just to explain, both the then finance director and the COO had agreed to this request already, and that's referenced in the email. So I too agreed to it, although that was not a formal approval as due process would need to be followed. Within that response, I added a throwaway line to that junior colleague saying, can you negotiate the same for me, please? Question mark, mark, exclamation point. His story is that that's as much as he did, that that was his email to this junior employee. Uh, CC'd on the email was the finance director at the time and the FAI chairman at the time, both of whom had to action uh, in awful corporate speak, but both of whom had to action this junior employee's uh, request. And Hill's story is that the finance director and the chairman uh, took his lame joke to be an official request that he be given the same treatment. And the problem there, of course, is that that sounds like incredible. Like, even if that is the case, and we have to say that nowhere has it really been suggested that this isn't the case or that there was anything more nefarious to it. We sort of have to take them at their word here because because of, as you say, the redacted emails. But even if that is the case, if that's their best story, well, doesn't that sound horrendous? <laughs> as in that the chief executive of a sporting association who gets paid €258,000 a year can make a joke and a couple of months later, 12,000 extra euro land in his account. Mm. And he says it's the first he knew about it. Mm. And yet that's their story. And the thing is, if that is the story and if that is all true, then surely it's very easy to come in and say, hang on, this was a silly joke that went totally out of hand. 
here's all the emails, here's everybody who's in, who was involved. You don't have to waste time on this. There are far more important things that we want to talk about uh, to the Oireachtas. But we made an awful mess of this. We feel kind of stupid about it. Ask us anything you like. Mm-hmm. This was just a joke that went awry. But instead, what the FAI did was they tried to delay the PAC meeting. They sent in all their documents at half 11 the previous night. I suppose just as a huge sense of frustration as the lead speaker here this morning, we all, only TDs here on the, on the, on the, on the committee, uh, and the first time that we see an opening statement and these emails uh, are at a quarter to nine this morning. And we're trying to read redacted emails and, tr- and thread them together, presented to us in reverse order, by the way, uh, in, the, in the timeline. And it's very, very difficult to, to string it together or to have um, a coherent uh, understanding of, of, of what is happening. And, you know, there's a long-running tradition in this uh, Public Accounts Committee that organisations that provide their documents late often go on uh, we go on to find out that there's information uh, that was being hidden from this committee. And I, I would say to you that you put yourself in this, that suspicious position. In questioning from Paul McAuliffe, TD, uh, from Fianna Fáil, um, Hill was a little evasive, he was a little confrontational, and it reminded everybody of 2019, which was when John Delaney was hauled in front of the committee and used the Angela Cairns defence. On legal advice, I'm precluded from making any further comments at this hearing in relation to the finances of the association or my former role as CEO or the 100,000 payment, either directly or indirectly. In the interests of fair procedures... Mm. It was all just pretty unsatisfactory mm. and it's a, it, that's where they have themselves. Coming up, What does this performance say about the quest to find a new Ireland manager to replace Stephen Kenny? This podcast is brought to you by AJ Products, made in Sweden for the rest of the world. Visit ajproducts.ie to see how we can make your workplace work for you. We still don't have a new manager for the Republic of Ireland team. And before we start speaking about that, Mal, can you just remind us of the lineup of managers over recent years? So if we want to go back to since the last time we were in a World Cup, let's let's take that as the cut-off point. We were in a World Cup in 2002. Uh, Mick McCarthy was the manager there. Uh, ever since then, we had uh, Brian Kerr for a couple of years in the mid-2000s. We had Steve Staunton for uh, an apocalyptically bad uh, year and a half, uh, mm. around 06, 07. Uh, then we had the, the superstar managers. We had Giovanni Trapattoni, mm-hmm. uh, followed by Martin O'Neill. Those were both bankrolled by Dennis O'Brien. Uh, back in the day and that was why we were able to afford the likes of Giovanni Trapattoni and Martin O'Neill and Roy Keane uh, who came in then. Uh, The O'Brien money dried up and so we were left to cut our cloth according to our measure. Um, Mick McCarthy came back for a second stint uh, in the uh, mid-2010s and he was followed uh, in the middle of the pandemic essentially by Stephen Kenny. And Stephen Kenny, who came in on a, you know, a kind of a wave of goodwill and was has been very much 
liked by uh, plenty of supporters and those supporters would say plenty of the media. Um, but his results just weren't good enough over the last couple of years and he finished up last uh, November. And there were hopes that Stephen Kenny signified a completely new era for Irish football, weren't there? That he was bringing a new style in that would change everything for the better, right? Absolutely. Like Stephen Kenny was a long-standing manager in the domestic league. Um, he had done incredibly well with Dundalk, taking them into Europe uh, on a couple of really notable campaigns. And... Almost as importantly, or maybe even more importantly, um, he was forever talking up Irish footballers and not accepting the idea that Irish soccer players couldn't play in the same style as their European counterparts. Mm. Um, And this provided a great counterpoint to both towards the end of Trapattoni's reign and towards the end of Martin O'Neill's reign. Mm. You always got the sense and sometimes they just said it outwardly that they believed that Irish players just weren't good enough, that they weren't mm. of the high enough standard to compete at international level. Stephen Kenny always said differently and always said, no, look, Irish players should be able to play this way. I know, I know that they can do that. And he attempted to get them to play more progressively. The 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 idea of playing the ball out from the back became um, just more of how Ireland wanted to play. But sadly, you know, in the end, they just lost, lost too many games and didn't make it to last year's World Cup or this year's Euros. So that was the end of Stephen Kenny. You've written, Mal, recently that the length of time that has gone by since Stephen Kenny stepped down until now, where we still don't have an Irish manager, is extremely long one compared to other countries. Why is it taking so long to find a new manager? Yeah, so his last game was against New Zealand back in mid-November. We are now 14 weeks since uh, his last game. If we make it to next week, it will be 15 weeks, which is exactly as long as it took Ireland to replace Stephen Staunton with Giovanni Trapattoni back in 2007 and 2008. There are 54 countries in UEFA. If you go through each one of them and look at their current manager and check how long it took from the sacking of the last but one manager to replace them, uh, we are now 51st on that list. Generally, international managements are replaced kind of within a fortnight, Mm. maybe within a month. It never takes this long, really. Our excuse seems to be that we just can't get anybody to do the job. Mal, why does no one want the Irish manager job? Well, the Ireland manager's job would not be considered a very attractive one, has to be said. Payment-wise, you would get more or less the same amount of money managing in a mid-table team in the Championship which is the league below the Premier League. So that'll tell you where the financial rewards out of it would be. Um, We're not in a good place where our world ranking has fallen over the past few years. We haven't been at a major tournament since 2016. We have no established world stars. We have players who play the odd game in the Champions League when they're with Celtic, say, or with uh, maybe the odd club in Italy. So it's it's not a sexy job. There's no two ways about it. Also, you know, 
we're a little rainy rock on the edge of Europe. You know, you go and manage Malta down in the uh, Mediterranean and have quite a nice life for yourself. Do you have an educated guess of how much longer it might take? I don't, is the very straight answer, because it seemed to be Lee Carsley's job up until shortly after Christmas, when that seemed to fall through the floor. To be fair, and again, you kind of you would have to give the FAI credit with all of this. The old FAI used to leak like a sieve. Mm-hmm. Uh, very annoyingly, from our point of view in the media, this one doesn't. There have been half indications from other parties than the than the FAI is how we've all managed to sort of keep up to date with the manager search this time around. But no, the candidates seem to be Neil Lennon uh, has been put out of the running. Chris Coleman has been put out of the running. A lot of us were interested last week when it was announced that Thomas Tuchel would be leaving Bayern Munich at the end of the year. Not because we thought there was any chance whatsoever that Thomas Tuchel would take over the Ireland managership, but that his assistant, Anthony Barry, who was an assistant coach with Ireland under Stephen Kenny and Mm. who's very highly regarded within the game, uh, could possibly be available now. And by available, it would mean that the FAI wouldn't have to pay anybody any money to uh, uh, separate him from his current job. Mm. So we'll see. But uh, as of now, as of uh, the last week in February, nobody has any real clue. So Mel, what does all this say about the future of Irish football? Our failure to get a new manager to date, the appearance of the FAI before the PAC last week. I mean, it's three decades since the Charlton Glory years, a time many Irish football supporters still pray will return. But the chaos and the scandal that surrounded the body following the Delaney years and along with this seemingly never-ending losing streak, it could even make the most optimistic of supporters despondent. Well, Sorka, I mean, sports supporters across the planet are built on pessimism. It's the only thing you don't th- you don't think that we know that these teams lose all the time. You don't think that we notice this. Um, certainly from the FAI's point of view, these next few years are absolutely crucial for them to weather on a, on a financial front. Last June they set out what they thought it would take to fix facilities for soccer in this country over the coming decades. And in it, and it was a very ambitious plan, but in it, it asked for 517 million euros worth of government funding for this plan. All of that is undermined when your CEO is in front of the doll and in social media clips saying that he got paid an extra 12 grand because of a joke. Mm. All of that makes people think of the old FAI, the people who couldn't organise anything, the people who have reigned over the dereliction of football in Ireland over the past decades. All of that is what people think of. And that is why last week is so damaging. What does that say when it comes to the public trust in the organisation? The way to trust them, I guess, is just to sit and watch them. They haven't earned it. There is no sign yet that they can avoid 
snafus like this. The amount of money here was tiny, really, in the general scheme of things. And yet, it was almost perversely its smallness made it worse, in a way. So when it comes to trusting them, the jury is out. People were willing to give them a chance because they were new faces and they talked a good game. But this this has set them back and it's going to take quite a while for people to forget this. Maliki Clerken, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you, Circa. That's all for today. For more of Maliki Clerken's FAI analysis and breaking news on the New Ireland manager, subscribe at irishtimes.com forward slash subscribe. I'm Sarah Hapollock. This episode was produced by Aideen Finnegan. In the news, we'll be back tomorrow.